This is Out of the Dark by Choices, Chapter 5. One month passes, then another. Draco moves on with his life, and if he regrets the loss of Potter's fleeting company, it's only in the flashes of night, when he comes back into the icy manor, or thinks he hears something overhead, a step, a breath. It's never anything more than the house settling, but in those moments, Draco's mind produces an image of Potter, stepping into sight, looking up at him from under his lashes, expectant, though what he imagines Potter's expecting, Draco can hardly say. Draco leans against the wall of the portiki station, runs his hands over his face. He's exhausted, and a little too queasy to apparate to the manor just yet. An untimely accident at Plymouth Port had forced him to redirect all of Malfoy Enterprises' shipments to other ports along the coastline, the operational word being ports, as in multiple. So Draco spent the day portiquing from one to the next, making sure his shipment containers arrived at their new destinations, got unloaded, and sent off to his clients in a timely fashion. Now, though, he's stuck in Dagon Alley until his stomach settles some, or else risk losing the contents of it. It's odd. He doesn't quite know what to do with himself. Draco considers going to one of the cafes on Dagon Alley, but the thought of being seen gives the queasy feeling in his stomach a whole different edge. He's unlikely to run into anyone he knows, or anyone who knows him but the risk, however small, is enough to propel him out of the Portiki station, through the leaky cauldron, and out into Muggle London. He steps out and gasps, surprised by the onslaught of pedestrians and traffic. Cars are honking, people are pushing past each other in their hurry to get to the tube, to get home. Home. What a charming, impossible idea. Draco finds ignoring the absence of companionship harder than it was before. Not that that makes any sense. There's no reason that a few exhausted conversations with Potter should have changed Draco or his sense of life. A few feet away from him, in the blue light of dusk, a kissing couple leans against a post box. They're a pair of boys, not much younger than Draco himself, kissing and giggling, coming together and pulling away, to look into each other's eyes as though neither can quite believe he's lucky enough to be kissing the other. It's fine. It's mostly absolutely fine, Draco thinks, watching them. The loneliness, the yearning, it's completely normal, completely bearable. Though he can't help but wonder what it must be like to be seen like that. Seen and wanted, not as a body, but as a person, as a presence. Chosen by someone, even though they can literally make any other choice in the world, Draco's heart twists with disembodied longing, overwhelmed with desire to step out of the darkness and not be incinerated by the light. Shaking his head, Draco looks both ways and crosses the street to the pub on the other side of it. He'll have a pint, wait out the motion sickness, and apparate to the manor. It is all fine. He has so much to do tomorrow. Stop by Plymouth Port, make sure it's back up and running, ready to take the shipment of magical musical instruments, which will dock around midnight. Because if the dock is still being repaired, Draco will have to... 
a body goes flying past Draco, sprawling on the cement at his feet. Draco blinks at it in confusion, then gasps. It's Potter. Unmistakably, Potter. The man's face is bruised, bleeding from a crooked nose, and still, despite the damage, he's snarling, struggling to get back up. Potter? he asks, leaning over to offer the man his hand. What the fuck? Malfoy, watch out! Draco turns in time to see three enormous men in construction workers' uniforms charge out of the pub. A fist flies towards Draco's nose. He ducks at the last moment, avoiding it, and still manages to get socked in the gut. The fuck? Draco shouts in the face of the man that clocked him, swinging his own fist, punching the man in the eye and making him stagger back. I'm not even part of this. And the other two have managed to get Potter back on his feet, and one of them is drawing back his arm. In a split second, Draco is grabbing it, throwing all his weight into dragging the man back, putting his foot out and drawing it up and around, hooking it around his ankle, sending the man crashing to the ground. Draco kicks him in the ribs, once, twice, then he's being dragged off of him by one of his friends, who grabs Draco by the shoulder, turning him and punching him square in the jaw. Draco's head rings. He can hear Potter shouting something, but he's too wound up, too high on adrenaline to listen. He and the muggle that just punched him go at each other, each meeting the other blow for blow. Draco spits blood to the ground, then grins bloody teeth at the man. Little fucker, snarls the man's friend, rounding to grab Draco from behind. Draco laughs, ramming his elbow up, crushing the man's nose into his skull. Draco is released at once, and he doubles over himself, runs at the man in front of him, driving his shoulder into his sternum, crying gleefully as the man goes down. Draco is on top of him before he even has a chance to recover. Obliviate! Abruptly, there's a wrenching in his gut, and Draco's knees are crashing into the gravel outside of the Malfoy estate. And Draco's fist is smashing into it, and he's crying out, swearing, grabbing his torn knuckles and pressing them to his mouth. Malfoy, stop! What the fuck? Draco blinks. Potter is crouching in front of him, nose no longer bleeding, but face still red with blood. What the fuck, Malfoy? What the fuck, Malfoy? What the fuck, Malfoy? What the fuck, Potter? You were the one brawling in the middle of the street. Yes, well, it was my brawl to fight. You? Draco takes in Potter's slight form and bursts out laughing. You! Against three muggles! I was fine. I could have used magic. And why the fuck didn't you? I did! I obliviated them and brought us here. Why the fuck didn't you? Snaps Potter. That shuts Draco up right quick. He has no interest in telling Potter that he avoids magic so much that the thought hadn't even occurred to him or that even if it had, losing control like that had given him so much sheer pleasure, that he mostly wants to apparate back out there and get back into the fight. How often does one have the opportunity to do battle, thoughtless and uncontrolled, and be righteous in it? Because technically, technically, Draco had been protecting Potter. And if he got to work out his frustration in the process, well, that was just an added bonus. Looks like you have a lot of pent-up anger, says Potter. You should join a boxing gym. That, Potter, 
says Draco, rising to his feet and offering Potter his uninjured hand, is the wisest thing you've ever said in your life. Not the wisest, Potter replies, dusting himself off and following Draco through the gateway, up the path to the manor, close to it. So, Draco asks as he leads Potter into his bedroom and gestures towards the bed, would you like to tell me why they attacked you? I told one of them his girlfriend looks like a horse, he responds as Draco searches through the medicine cabinet under the sink for something to put on their respective bruises. Turns out she was the little sister of the other two. Potter, you rightfully deserved to get your ass handed to you. What on earth compelled you to say such a thing? Potter shrugs, looks away, and Draco frowns, thinking back to the night he'd found Potter drunk. He returns to the smaller man, dittany and cotton swabs in hand. Potter, did you pick a fight with three gigantic muggles on purpose? None of your business. Tell that to my knuckles. Draco takes Potter by the chin and dips his head back, filling a pipette and dripping a drop of dittany into each of Potter's nostrils before applying some to a cotton swab. Potter sneezes, and Draco is surprised to find himself thinking, adorable, as he takes hold of his chin once more and dabs the potion onto the bruise forming on Potter's cheekbone. Potter stops breathing, looks up at him with wide, green eyes, and Draco stills, licks his lips. Potter, Draco whispers, and Potter snaps out of his stupor, taking the dittany and cotton swabs himself and pulling Draco's hand from his cheek. Here, says Potter, voice terribly soft, let me. And Draco lets him place the cotton onto his torn knuckles, hissing at the sting of knitting flesh. Let me stay, Potter says, and Draco's eyes flit to the bed he's sitting upon, a stark and blinding image of Potter, on it, naked and gasping, flashing through Draco's mind. In the other room, of course. Draco blinks the image away, steps back from Potter, horrified with himself. Whatever is going on here is not a seduction. It's a cry for help, and Draco, twisted and lonely as he is, is taking it and perverting it into... Of course, he says. Of course. Stay as long as you need. There's no food in the kitchens, but there's some wine. Trying to get me drunk, asks Potter with a little grin. Trying? No. No, I need to... Shipments. There was a problem at the port today. I need to go back to the office. Potter frowns, and Draco realizes that that must sound like he's kicking him out again. But you stay here, he finishes lamely, backing up. Of course. Before Potter can say anything else, Draco turns around and flees from the room. In his office, Draco gets straight to work, penning a number of letters, balancing the books, sorting through old paperwork. By sunrise, he's wiped down the bookcases by hand, brewed coffee, and ordered bagels for his entire team. His morning is a blur of client meetings. At some point he crashes, falling asleep right there at the desk, only waking when Clementine, his secretary, peers into the room informing him that she's leaving for the day. Draco nods sleepily and wishes her a good night before burying his face in his hands, completely at a loss for what to do next. 
It turns out the decision is taken from him, because a second knock sounds at the door, and when Draco looks up, there's Potter, small and awkward, wearing Draco's oversized sweater, mumbling something about dinner. Draco laughs so hard that he begins to cry. That was Out of the Dark by Choices. Please leave a kudos or a comment on Archive of Our Own. The link can be found in the episode description. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon.